0: Plenty a time for Stroud, directing receivers, flips it to the end zone, caught, touchdown! Marvin Harrison Jr. making a huge impact. Milton taking a shot downfield, he's got a man open, and it's into the arms of Squirrel White. Nix, pump fake, takes off, into the clear, Bo Nix, there he goes, he won't be caught, he's done it again! What's going on, everybody? This is Chris K on the uh, Burning Red Shirt podcast. Glad you guys could make it. Got Andrew with us, who uh, he, he must have done decent on draft night because he's still here. He, I don't think he was ever put in timeout by his wife or anything. How did uh, how did the draft shake out for you?
1: We could talk about it from a couple of different angles. Physi- <laughs> I mean, physically, it wasn't what I wanted it to be. Emotionally, mentally, not really where, where I wanted it to be, considering I was I was bedridden from like Wednesday to Sunday with a stomach virus. So, that was exciting uh for Andrew's first trip to to urgent care. Overall, that was a pleasant more pleasant experience than I expected. Like I I think I went to a bougie one. Uh, so that's why I was like, "All right, but I expected urgent care to generally just suck." But I don't know. That was like the tail end of the of that whole journey. But anyway, I don't know. I, I, since I've been a kid, I feel like So many times on holidays, I'm always like sick and like just a lot of times when I was a kid, I would I would get sick like on Christmas Eve from like being up for days in advance and just like not sleeping to the point where I would get myself sick. I don't think that's quite what we saw here with the draft where I mean, I was having trouble sleeping the week or two leading up to it just because I kept uh, dreaming about uh, winning and losing bets and stuff like that, but so I don't. Th- but I don't think I manifested a stomach virus for myself. But anyway, my I, usually the way I like to do is I like to go out and, uh, with my buddy. We always go to the same spot in Jersey City and like get, and get demoed for draft night. But um, clearly that, that didn't happen here. Um, but at, overall, I, I ended up like uh, nine units and change, which it, do- it doesn't feel worth it uh considering the amount of time i invested uh like our, i i almost at- at- achieved my goal of getting my whole bankroll in play one way or another like I, but like in in the most like in the in the most conservative way possible lots of boxing of positions lots of hedging and orbing myself all over the place so even though like i drained my entire like almost my entire uh bank account that's dedicated to gambling purposes uh not that much was act not nearly as much was actually at risk um but just seeing the outcome and the out the outcome of all that time spent really just being like great i made back the money that i had to pay the government for taxes that this past year that that, that, that is that really worth it is it worth that like dedicating so much of my free time for like two to three months probably not
0: um and yours so, probably uh, not You know, there's there's it's like when you go to Vegas and you play blackjack and it's kind of like, you know, I can say, hey, well, it's an entertainment value. If I played for four hours and I broke even, you know, there's like it's instead of going to a show, you just played blackjack. So there's like the entertainment. But considering your situation with like kids. Probably not. Yeah, probably not the best use of your time, ultimately. Yeah, I
1: mean, I have my goal. I have goals that uh, like. I'm trying to establish and achieve with my, with my uh, gambling stuff where ultimately like the goal is to just finance like a beach house, like a sick beach house. And, like, <laughs> we're, we're not there yet, but like, and, but we're only on like year three or four of this and the bankroll's building, but I, there needs to be some exponential shifting of the paradigm at some point point. Um, and just grinding eight or nine units over the court, the course of a quarter of a year, you look up and it's like, that's not going to buy a beach house. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, draft night overall, it went pretty well, uh, in like starting at the top. Yeah. It would have been a little better if shroud went one, but so let's peel back the current a little bit. So I would say if anyone's looking to get into the draft betting game, the two main things that I can offer you, well, three things, one don't, if you like your, uh, your mental sanity and stuff with that elk uh two though my two my two biggest tips would be well my biggest tip so i i this is where i made like most of my money uh this year uh that you're aware presumably that there's like there's these the the national mockers like Lance line dane brugler like these dudes legitimately move betting lines uh there's all these misconceptions surrounding the draft and stuff like that, but like it, it without a doubt, these dudes put out mocks and dra- betting markets shift. And one of the the biggest edges that I realized this year is they'll put out a mock, and usually it gets put, like the progression on the surfaces. They like you know they're putting out a mock this week. You know the day it's coming out, they tweet it out. People view it, and Vegas markets move, but But what a lot of people don't realize is it hits the the NFL.com or athletic website like multiple hours in advance of them tweeting it out. So when you're a psychopath up at 5 or 6 a.m., it's already on there. You sift through it, you do your data analysis, and you start bending into these markets that aren't moving yet because people don't realize that the mock is up on their website. So when Brugler put out his post-combine mock and JSN was going off the board at like twelve overall, and the next receiver wasn't going until the mid twenties. I was like, I need to bet this guy to be first receiver right now, and I hit it like five times. And I should have just I should have hit it way harder than I did, but it, it basically made it impossible for me to lose the first receiver market because I got JSN at like plus two hundred, and then everyone else I was able to like just a box in between like plus six hundred to plus fifteen hundred throughout the progression of draft season, um, and then on draft day. um I think I was already sick at this point, Um, but I woke up at like 4 a.m. that day. It's like so excited, but still sick. And I don't know if you remember going into draft day there. Like we knew Bryce was going one. The idea was that maybe Levis was going somewhere between like two and four. No one really knew who was going to though. And the night before like Josh Norris uh, and Haven Winks do their like final mock. And then. Brugler drops his final mock, which hits Athletic at, like, 6 a.m. And uh, Peter Schrager on NFL Network drops his uh, at, like, 7 a.m. on NFL Network. And who else? Zerline drops his final one at 10 a.m. And someone else important, I forget who, drops their final one. They all have Will Anderson going, too, who was not – and his over-under was 3.5 at, like, even money. So I just start betting Will Anderson to go two and three and under three and a half, all these different ways. And I get like a really good amount of money down on him. Um, And I keep at the same time, as everyone always does, it's like, wow, I should have bet 10 times more on that. And then as the day's progressing, like eventually it leaks out Stroud's going too. Um, But I arbed out basically at over three and a half, at like plus 300 earlier in the day. So like I couldn't lose no matter what. Um I should have done it a little smarter to like give myself a, because I could have gotten a middle on it that would have hit like I could have just bet Anderson to go three and then I would have won the under three and a half and even though he wouldn't have gone two, I would have won multiple ways. but anyway that that trick, the like early mock uh dropping before they tweeted out and beating the markets to the moves helped me substantially to multiple times throughout draft season so, and most people don't realize it. They're, they're just waiting for these guys to tweet out these leaks, these links, and then, of course, all the fucking like DraftKings and FanDuel, like they're moving these markets um, when they see that. Like, I think it's interesting that they don't they don't react just to bets, but they're like it was very apparent this draft season that. The odds makers at DraftKings and FanDuel are actually digging into mocks and moving lines accordingly, which is so dangerous because it's not like these guys are making the picks, but they're trying to interpret what is going to happen with the the draft based on what mockers are going to do and how people are going to react react to those mockers. Which I mean, it's it's crazy. I, I feel so good that I the I did not gets swept up in the, the into the like the Levis uh, theme, like so many people that we, we know on gambling Twitter, right? Like just lost a, a lot of money betting Levis to go top four, Levis to go top two, right? Um, I stuck to my CFB guns and largely sat that one out. I had uh, just a little bit on him to uh, like over six and a half, but like I just I there's no like I would feel too dirty as a CFB snob betting on Will Levis to be a top pick. There's no way, like I'm willing to to destroy my street cred just to cash a little a little bank on Will Levis there,
0: but it all worked out in that regard. You did a a decent bit of like middling. Do you think that like next year you'll do the same thing, or do you think you you think you'll maybe stick to your straight opinions and just bet? So I did.
1: I created a middle for myself for uh, Anthea Richardson to go number four, and it actually happened, which was surprising. Um, So that was that was one of my better hits. what I did, so what I always do, because, like, I, I'm scared, I'm scared, uh, is I, even when I have, like, good positions, uh, I just, I don't feel, comp- like, the information is such garbage that even if, when I have good positions that, like, relative to how the market's moved, a lot of times I'll just end up arbing out. Um, and that is, like, that, um in a lot of ways it probably chopped off a lot of my profit, but like at the same time, you look at the, the CLV on so many of these positions and it was like insane. And they still they still lost. Like the, the number of offensive players drafted in round one opened at fifteen and a half. I got it at that. And then I, I ended up getting out and getting the under sixteen and a half at plus money. So I was I had a, a window of like if there were sixteen I would have cashed both but the the over 16 and a half closed at like minus 400 and only 15 went round one. So like, so like the idea of like CLV being any sort of true guide and like that you can be really confident in most of these things, even when the markets are moving in your favor is like, I don't know. It's, It's tough to like really feel confident about leaving yourself overexposed, even when things are looking really favorable for you. I feel like, I mean, from a mental health perspective, I just—it's just not worth it. I, 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 my stance right now is I'm probably not going to do it next year, but then next year I probably will. Yep. Uh, you know, well, it's a, a, the vicious cycle will continue.
0: Yeah, and I think that's fair. I mean, there's there's a lot that goes into it to be all in on something as crazy as the draft. Like, in one opinion or the other, is pretty wild, especially because of how trades happen. I mean, there was an insane amount of trades with the first top, you know, the top ten picks. So you could totally nail the idea of it, and then it's just wrong yeah. because they're not even there anymore. But let's uh, let's shift gears to what we actually typically talk about, which is college fantasy football. What is? Uh, I have a couple of thoughts or ideas in my head of of who or what is the biggest like fantasy impact in the last couple of weeks? But what is the biggest fantasy impact of the last couple of weeks? Portals, changes, and players, schemes. Anything jump out to you?
1: It's got to be Zachary Franklin, right?
0: Uh, I would say, yeah, is one of the, the three I was thinking for sure. One of the top two for sure. Yeah. What, have we heard – it's so funny. You know, Keon Coleman hit the portal like three days, four days ago or whatever, and he's <laughs> he's already shown us like the 59 schools that have offered him – or I'm sorry, that have been in contact with him. Yet, I don't know what's going on with Franklin. Have we heard anything about like what he's doing or
1: – I just assume he's going to Colorado in?
0: would that just, be would you be happy with that
1: um yeah my boy jordan tyson went to, is out skis from colorado right so they need help in most places uh, i have i am personally reserving any sort of judgment when it comes to their performance on the field this upcoming season just because i think that as the summer months progress right as may june july go by rosters can continue like to ramp up in, relative to most other schools that will remain relatively static or get worse. Their roster should only improve from a roster shrunk perspective, right? So do you think I, when we do, when we uh, attempt to do our conference previews and get, get a friend uh, to come on, is the move to get Nick from Winning Edge to come on to do, the Pac-12, so we can get to talk about roster strength in Colorado with him, because like, what what better school to have that discussion with? Like to use his talents, right, and his uh, his data, like, is purpose built for discussing Colorado. I think, but selfishly, I also was was thinking maybe for him, like the ACC, so that he could help me tear down
0: the Florida State hype, hopefully. <laughs> But uh I, I think I he's perfect he stands on that. I think he's perfect for Colorado because like that's like part of his whole deal is like the whole returning production. Yeah. And obviously that stuff really matters. Um and I, like, I, also like strength of recruits and stuff. We talked about it weeks ago, right? Like we thought and I was in agreement that like people were going to be transferring there, but I just don't know anymore. Like it feels like if it was going to happen it would have happened, right? Like, there's a certain level of people have left. Like, why are people waiting until the summer to go to Colorado?
1: They're already getting a lot of commitments, I think. It's just a lot of, like, depth. Like, they they got four dudes from Florida State within, like, the last last week or two. Um, It does seem like they're getting a lot more in the way of visits than actual commitments. But, I don't know. I would think that, like, part. The, th- the primary thing I think you hear about them and their, the problems with their roster are like the, the, the depth along the lines. Right. Um, and you're presumably, you're only going to create true depth along the lines, not by, not by getting impact talent, but by actually getting depth pieces, which aren't going to generate a ton of buzz in the way of the portal cycles and stuff like that. So as long as they're getting uh, commitments that are of Power Five quality along the all, along the lines, it might not be the most headline breaking, headline making uh, parts of the news cycle. But I mean, I can't say that I'm actually tracking them like along the lines of you know Nick how Nick is. But mm-hmm. it seems like they're still getting commitments, and I don't know. I think it's I think it's fascinating and interesting. Uh, just. I want. I, I want to see how that plays out. I, I haven't told Nick yet. I think I'm gonna finally give in and subscribe to his, uh, <laughs> his Patreon. I just like. I, I, I so the idea of like trying to do some of the th- things that he does from a data perspective. Like, I want to try and do some of that, but like, there's no way I have the time to do all that shit on myself. So, might as well uh, take advantage of. Someone that you know is actually doing it and doing it right.
0: Yeah, his stuff's pretty incredible. If you haven't checked him out, you definitely should. Uh, I will tell you, you know, Colorado will be a great case study of like potentially what can happen if you just only rely on the transfer portal. So I'll be really interested to see, you know, they play uh, TCU in the first week, which will be awesome just for obvious reasons of TCU. But then like I think everybody's enamored and just wants to see that first game with Dion. But With Franklin, it's very interesting because, you know, Colorado feels like the immediate fit because he's like, you know, that's closer to the West Coast with being UTSA. But it just is so weird that we haven't heard anything. Someone joked, like, maybe Texas A&M, like the whole Tyron Smith situation. But I – you know, he just went, like, in the fifth round of this champion series draft that we're in that started today. Yeah. Or fourth round maybe. And I think that's a good pick because I just – like, a great pick because – if you had to put a percentage of him returning to UTSA, what would you put that at? 30%. I was going to say like 35 ish percent for me. So, yeah. like, if you know, he's probably going to go somewhere that's pretty good, right? Like, a good situation, just generally speaking. I can't imagine he's going to go somewhere awful, uh, depth and position wise, but he's also a very good, very talented receiver. So, like, he should be fine, but if he comes back, you're getting a, a first round pick um for like a fourth or fifth round pick uh Capitals. so yeah it'd be, be nice. interesting. it'd be nice to see where he goes, and you know maybe we hear something out of him here shortly, but the him other and we, thing him and ahead.
1: McCaskill both go to Colorado
0: yeah, the McCaskill thing is interesting. You saw he visited Florida too so gross that would be just the worst, yeah. Just the worst option because not only do they use a lot of running backs, they have a lot of pretty decent running backs, right? Um, so the other bit of news I thought was interesting. I mean, I don't know how we didn't start with this or lead with this. The we have a player that went from unranked at a position to the to, in my opinion, the number one player at that position. And based on your response, there facial wise, you know who I'm talking about, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thankfully, Mike took him before you could uh, have the ability to laugh in all our faces. Like, I'm trying to think of a good comp for what you did. This is you're influencing the game when you and not that there's anything directly wrong with that to actually go out there and get your players position changed um, to benefit yourself. uh, Right. But I don't know.
0: I, for the, I think for everybody that doesn't know, we're talking about Aronde Gadsden moving, becoming tight end eligible, and he was used to be receiver eligible. We talked about it weeks ago. Uh, I was able to draft him in the last champion series in like the eighth round, which I think he was like a twelfth rounder. But I was like, there's no way I'm letting this slip, slide pass me. Like I'm playing the odds that he's going to get it. What really upsets me is I will say two things. I did not go to Fantrax in any way and say that he should be eligible at tight end i tweeted a poll the person <laughs> that did it was the uh CU tiger who's yeah, in all shame. the different discords that wasn't me i was actually mad at him for doing it so soon i wanted at least one more draft with him to get him because really i only have him in one of five drafts now which is such a bummer
1: all right i guess i take i'll take back a little bit of what i was directing toward you
0: fired that chain Is there another player that – I was thinking about this. I was taking a walk earlier, and I was like, is there another player that could be in the same situation? But I couldn't think of anybody that jumps out as, like, not eligible at the position he really should, and obviously that position of tight end is super valuable for us. It's kind of the reverse.
1: It's probably – like, I can't imagine it actually happens, but you want my galaxy brain as of galaxy brain – uh, theories that I was pl- like, there's like no draft where I could actually action on it, and at the same time, I feel like it's only got like a five percent outcome of paying off. But here's my favorite one so you, um, do you remember Tom Herman at Texas at uh Houston twice took a wide receiver and made him
0: quarterback? quarterback right? Yeah. Was, it, was, was it uh,
1: Herman, wasn't Herman both times with Greg Ward and Derek King? I can't remember. It might have been, might not have been Herman one time. Uh, but anyway, I don't I, know.
0: Ward was hundred percent receiver though. Like the Ward thing is, I don't remember King as much as Ward. But like Ward was one thousand percent a receiver. Like yeah. I mean, I don't even know if he ever threw a football before in his life before then. But that was a pretty interesting. So who do you? When do you think that's going to happen? Or is, oh my God, is Fur, uh, Herman at FAU? Yeah. Are you about to pull an FAU guy on us? Do you remember
1: um, that dude that we all thought, were by we all, I mean me, thought wasn't next to, uh, like, what I guess Malik Wells would have been a good comp, right? That dude, Javion Posey, who rushed for like 300 yards that one week and then, like, did nothing against UMass and ended up get, getting pulled. Um, mm-hmm. He's still there playing receiver. And it looks like Casey Thompson is probably going to, like, potentially transfer to FAU, right? But I mean, before that, all they had was Daniel Richardson, who sucks um, at quarterback. And they've got that dude, Michael Johnson Jr., the Penn State transfer, too, um, but who has shown like nothing and been hurt constantly since he's been there. So I like you could I was dreaming on a scenario where Richardson's awful and Herman's just like, F it. we're about to get de- Derek King it up in here and. Put, puts Posey back there and just lets him do, do his thing and run for like 250 um, against some of these uh, these um, AAC schools. So I was, I was trying to think of our, like the right formats where I could draft him and stuff like that. And it's like, really like, okay, we got we to go deep here. And then, but I was like reading some articles about like, you can't find anything on that dude. <laughs> like he's so far off the, the radar of like even making an impact in the receiver room. Which maybe is a good thing, maybe he gets more time back. To the <laughs> quarterback. But I was reading like, just I was reading like some blog on their quarterbacks, and his name is not
0: even close to to Um uh,
1: So, boy, I dream. I like right? where your head.
0: I like where your head's at. Yeah. But I think the problem with him is, uh, is he's not been productive at all in his college he's, career. He's bad. For like one game. <laughs> Uh, and like you said, I did a Google search of him and I don't see like literally everything is from 2020 or 2019. So yeah, he's
1: still, but he's still on the team. That's, that's
0: important. That's a good first, first move. I do think there are guys that could get the reverse treatment where they take away a positional eligibility.
1: Like everyone who drafted this, this draft basically. And uh yeah,
0: I was just going to say one <laughs> being represented by your uh t-shirt, which is, Part of me is like, do I want to like stir the pot here a little bit? Because yeah. you've drafted a lot of Dalvin Smith. If you go to their 2022 roster, he's listed as a receiver. Yeah,
1: he's not a tight end. But I mean, my thought process is he's, did you watch, you watched the ball game, right? Yeah. That was a, such a sick game. Like, that was, I feel like, that like we can change every single bowl game that happened i was just printing money and like i was it was like i wrote the script for that game like that was an awesome start to bull season um and he looked really good and it seems pretty clear he's the wr2 in that offense um and that offense is gonna it's gonna be awesome like so i think that I'm taking him early, right? I think I've taken him like third, fourth, fifth round when I've gotten him so far. It's great if he has the dual tight end. If, obviously, if he has the tight end eligibility, it's freaking amazing. Um, but if not, like, I don't think we're talking about with him like how David Davis is used where it's just like, okay, go run a go-round and shit like that. I think he's gonna, like, just watching how he seems to be utilized, it seems like he'll be used more kind of in a variety of ways that get him the ball more than just like just run sprints.
0: So, so you're drafting Dalvin really is like, obviously if he's a tight end, that's incredible. Yeah. But yeah. if he's just strictly a receiver, you still like him because he's the second. Exactly. Yes. But more
1: succinctly than I, than I was it
0: bigger. Back. I can get behind it and I won't say anything. Apparently, Fantrax has decided like july 1 or something I like that, that yeah. is that date so like i would feel like unless there was tampering by an individual if you could make that july 1st cut line and you survive it you should be good
1: it's you know think you know it's ar- extremely arbitrary right and I, my from a, as a as a data nerd i would expect that removal of eligibility is a very manual thing that there is, they're literally overriding. Um, adding eligibility, I would think, is something that is being done through roster imports. And if someone is just like, from they're, they're bringing in their data set, if someone has an, has a position attached to them, it updates or inserts that eligibility. Removing of eligibility, I would expect, is something that is being manually overridden. Case in point, another guy I just drafted Jermaine Brown, that dude is not a receiver. That dude has never been a receiver, but every year he's a receiver in uh, in fan tracks. So let's run it back.
0: Let's keep it going, guys. He, I think he was a receiver for like a couple weeks, and really? then I think so. It reminds me. I just looked him up. Brady Hunt is quarterback eligible, <laughs> and I'm like, did, when was he ever a quarterback? But apparently, he made the switch in 2021, and I don't think he did anything. I don't, like, I don't think he he played in two games, but I don't think he did anything.
1: Do you have a strong stance on the Ball State Titans?
0: I, my strong stance is that I think both of them are super valuable because they have like zero receivers, and they've shown to to throw to them. I don't know if I would pick one over the other. I mean, they're both like young. They're both big. They've both been productive. So it's hard to say if there's one that like you lean on over the other. Do you?
1: Not really, mainly because I still struggle with who who is Ball State and who is Miami, Ohio. Um, So Ball State is Lane Lane Hatcher gang, right? And they had Jay Sean Jackson last year. But are they the team with Miles Marshall or is that Miami, Ohio? Miami, Ohio, I believe. Okay, so they literally have – This is like
0: Johannes Tyler um, and like the really bad – no, this was the good run game. Miami, Ohio was the really bad (laughs) run game.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Carson Steele. Um, I mean, there, if you look at their numbers, Brady Hunt had 46 catches for 500 yards, five touchdowns. Coziel yeah. had 35 for 373 and seven touchdowns. And I want to say Coziel was a either a true or a redshirt freshman. So, I mean, I would be he's – a, he's a sophomore this year, it says. So, I would be pretty jacked up to get either of them. But I, I lean Hunt. I picked Hunt first of the two.
1: Word. Yeah. I haven't taken either of them. I don't know. I don't, I just have no opinion. So I, I've just been getting other guys.
0: What about, um, kind of touching on a, like kind of amidst of all we've discussed already. What about the South Carolina tight ends? Is there Joshua Simon and Troy Knox? Is there one that you prefer?
1: Not really. Um, That offense, like, I, st- I still will draft Rattler because I think he's the man uh, if, if he's there in, like, the early 20s uh, of rounds, stuff like that. And I've been meaning to try and get Wells, but I'm always drafting someone else. Like, he's part of that cluster that there's so many cool receivers in, like, round six. It's like Troy Franklin, Jeremy Curley, uh, or is Jordan Curley or Jeremy Curley? Which one's the SM- Okay, yeah. Um yeah, no, I, it's, well sorry, it's Jordan. <laughs> it's Jordan yeah, I, I always Wells is always like in the back of my mind when I'm taking one of those guys, so I never end up with him. But while I feel like all right, I'm cool taking Rattler and Wells around the time when they go. I just don't know what to expect from the rest of the offense where I I I, I don't know. There's no one else I've really Gone out of my way to go get.
0: South Carolina doesn't really have anybody appealing, is the thing. Like obviously Rattler and Juice, but then like, you know, you know, you would like if just one of Knox and or Simon was there. But because yeah. both of them went there, it becomes super um convoluted. Definitely. Uh, we're a tight end show, apparently. Varquise Gums, did you see he committed to tight uh, to Arkansas and Do you have like a gut vibe or gut feel on how that works out?
1: I don't know. He, uh, I, I feel like it's it's probably not it's probably not going to work out that great, right? Like just from uh, like okay, yeah, it's going to be a seamless transition going from North Texas to, uh, to the to the SEC. Um, I think he he needs to go back in the portal. He needs to wind up at Colorado. He did the
0: whole portal back and forth thing a bunch, right?
1: Yeah, why not again? Is there another window? There has has to be, right? I mean,
0: I think once the... Some, I don't know how the portal works anymore, to be honest. I mean, in the summer, it has to be available, right? Like, that's a it's like a dead period, in a sense. It's like an off yeah, period. Yeah, and so there's like,
1: also the thing that, like, I, I, I feel like if you're a grad transfer, you can just do whatever you want at any point. So, it's not like... There... you you it feels like you always see these things about like about deadlines and oh this is the end and like okay it's set in stone but then more stuff always ends up happening, which is why it's great, right? There's always there's always news, it's year round.
0: It's it creates instant content for you for us all year-round. I had touched on uh, Keon Coleman um, a minute ago. Is there intrigue to where he goes or is he just kind of like a super cool athlete that had some like uh, some big catches, a pretty decent stat line at Michigan state and maybe won't reproduce those types of numbers at the next spot. I
1: want to, I want to find a way to crack the code for what, how do you do, how do you determine when a receiver is going like what factors influence whether a receiver who transfers will be, will make a year one impact at the school he's transferring to versus when he's just like off the board and doing absolutely off the grid and doing absolutely nothing. Like why, what separates Jacob Cowing in 2022 from Jalen Robinson, Tyler Harrell, Tyrone Tracy, like why, why was that dude successful and these guys weren't like, and in hindsight, I was like, Oh, well, he's amazing and they're terrible. But like, what are the, like, how do you model it? How do you kind of just at a high level define some baseline criteria for trying to predict portal success in year one amongst receivers? I think receiver is the most interesting way to the, the most res- interesting position to look at it through because for quarterback, it's like, all right, if he wins the job in the system school, he's probably going to do some fun stuff running back kind of, it's interesting as well. But um, I think that it's like a little narrower, right. Where it's like, you're the RB1 and system is good again, like, okay, that's probably going to make you successful. But like with receiver and so many different guys getting, getting on the field, I think that it's a, I don't know, the analysis I think can be a, a little more nuanced and uh, but I don't know. I like as someone who found so much failure trying to target transfer receivers this past year, um, I would love to try and crack that code.
0: I think ultimately the guys at campus to can, we, you know, they Austin and Dwight and all those different random guys have talked about like, don't go like, don't pick the G five to P five players, which yeah. if you think about it, the like, cowing was one of the ones that was successful, but it's really kind of hard to find other, other instances. And yeah. that's kind of like at all positions. So maybe that's like a good baseline to start thinking about. I think Coleman will be great. It's just a matter of like, does he pick a team? Like, uh that's like in a great offense like
1: he needs needs to go to the back
0: he would never go to western kentucky but like that could be super dope
1: uh is he
0: on their list of 59 schools that have reached out i think i saw kent state on there i saw some great names on here um bowling green had the balls to say hey you want to come over here (laughs) um Right state, like I can understand, like the HBCs, because like there's history, tradition, and and it's pretty good football at the FCS level. But like Louisiana Tech, like what are you bringing to the table, Louisiana Tech? That could like make that appealing. Kent State, so or does he go to like a like a Michigan where it would be like a good fit, but a, a horrible fantasy? He'd be a uh, horrible, you know you know what's gonna happen?
1: Fantasy. He's gonna go to like Clark State or some shit.
0: Well, that would be a cool fit. Wouldn't be the worst, but it would be in between, maybe. Um, Peyton Thorne at Auburn, we can touch on that for a second. This is your moment. I mean, if if I've said this a bunch, but like if Peyton Thorne's the quarterback at Auburn this year, then they're gonna be, I mean, they're not gonna be good regardless, but like they have no shot of being good if <laughs> if Thorne's the quarterback, Hugh Freeze, unless I'm completely misunderstanding Peyton Thorne's skill set does not make any he does not make any sense for Hugh Freeze's offense, correct?
1: Yeah, I think this is a situation where it's like, well, I know what we've got here right now is not gonna work. So let me just try and <laughs> let me find some baseline competency. A guy you can throw a forward pass and hope that maybe that can win me a few games.
0: It's almost it's almost like he's playing for like, let me try to win six games and not win three games and totally tank recruiting. Yeah. You know it's like a He's got two years of eligibility, but I don't really want to live through two years of that quarterback play.
1: No, I, mean, I don't think that's likely, right?
0: Yeah. My Robbie Ashford shares are just hurting. <laughs> I said shares again. I, every time I say it now, I think about you. Um, he, had such a, he has such a cool potential, but he must be just – I mean, I've seen him throw a football but like you would think that he would progress. For he is a baseball player, I think he'd say former baseball player. Um maybe I was figuring, hey, he didn't get a lot of reps in because he was always playing baseball and now he's focusing on football. But man, if Ashford is is not going to win the job, then that's a that's a that's a trouble. That's a troubling season for Auburn. Uh I mean, what do you think? What other, you know. Changes have happened in the last couple weeks, fantasy wise, or that stand out to you.
1: It, I mean, it feels like we're hitting some a lull of sorts, right? Spring practices are winding down. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of guys in the portal that are starting to incrementally trickle out. Um, So. In, the, in these summer months, there's not – or as we get into, like, the, the early part of summer, I feel like there's not that much starts to happen outside of a lot of previews get cranked out and, like, we'll start drafting more and stuff like that. But just in the way of um, actual news and things that uh, have any sort of material impact uh, on the CFB landscape, it feels like for now at least the dust will settle to some degree.
0: Yeah, I'm looking through some of the list of like all the different transfer portal people, and it really doesn't seem like there's anybody out there that's like. I mean, Franklin's awesome, and Keon Coleman's cool, but like otherwise, uh, there's not really a lot of like. Lamonius Craig is out there. To- you snuck. Tyson's you snuck a. There. You
1: snuck a pick in after I took, Caleb Hood. You you was Um, you took DeCorian Clark and his and his ACL. How do you feel about that?
0: I was trying to find like somewhere, you know, is there any level of like knowledge on how he's doing? And I couldn't see anything. I did learn that he got a pretty badass uh, back tattoo saying Clark um, the other day, which was interesting, but I feel like in the eighth round, man, if he's this, if he is healthy enough, that's like a pretty good, that's a really good value for a receiver. And uh, I liked hood. It, I wanted hood honestly, but you took him right before me.
1: If he's healthy, and Franklin's gone. He's who knows how usage changes in terms of like roles and stuff like that. And it's a new offense. Right. But he was, dude, he was there. He was their wide receiver one before he got hurt last year? Like he had, I, I'm almost positive. He like on a point per game basis was number one amongst their receivers. Um, and then he ripped his like the sh- to shreds. But like, I don't know how much UTSA you caught last year. Um, I didn't catch that much until the end of the season, and then it felt like they were on my TV every every week down the stretch. Mm-hmm. But, like, just based on how they used th- those guys, like, it sucked. <laughs> Watching Cephas, like, they used him the way possible. It just felt like it was quick flips around the, the line of scrimmage. And, like, he's PPR gold, but um, it wasn't outside, – like, outside of that, outside of the fact that you knew you were getting – at minimum like five six catches and he's pushing for double digits like the dude isn't it didn't felt like it was an explosive he, an explosive game plan relative to how he was being utilized but then um clark uh just before he went down largely box score scouting but it felt like he was just blowing up all the time and then franklin obviously like when when he uh especially after Clark went down. Like, it just felt like in the conference championship game, in the bowl game, if possibly resulting as a result of injuries, but, like, the whole game plan was just around him. But – so if Clark was healthy coming into this year, with Franklin coming being gone, like, he's first round at that point, um, in my opinion. But when – he ripped his knee to shreds in November.
0: Like like mid to late November, yeah.
1: And we're we're making like I saw I forget who like the, op, we're seeing optimism about the fact that he was like wearing a football uniform on the sidelines for the spring
0: game like I don't know I've said like it feels I, steep I, it feels steep not gonna lie
1: as as someone who has um, laid enough Reggie Roberson money on fire with optimism coming of him coming back from injury like I've largely learned my lesson and I'm willing to um, to cap some upside and avoid betting on, on late season ACL recoveries for receivers.
0: It is not the best of situations. But it, right? and, I feel hey, like hey, everyone, everyone
1: feels differently. Maybe. And if he's healthy, dude, it is first round.
0: What, uh, yeah, I was, this is probably one of the bigger ones. And it's interesting. Cause I wanted to, People have so many different ways to think about this transfer. And its I think it's just shocking because it's Alabama. But Tyler Buckner to Alabama, it's like he got lost in Alabama and went to the wrong campus because he feels like the perfect Auburn fit. More athletic, worse passer than Thorne maybe by a little bit, but like way better than Ashford, way more athletic than Thorne. What – uh I mean, is he going to Tuscaloosa to be the starter or is he going to be – do you think that's like a battle or do you did think he, he's going to win he that?
1: make you enough money in the bowl game that he has like a special place card? 100%. 100%. He's <laughs> a
0: bad quarterback and an awesome fantasy quarterback.
1: Yeah, can... I've got those guys too. Like there's certain people – and it's unfair to like our audience when they don't know that these players made us money and that like they, can, they, could, they could go out and like – set campus on fire and it wouldn't change my opinion of them.
0: I'd find a way to defend him. Exactly. Yeah. Somehow.
1: Yeah. And so, but I, dude, I don't know what's going on with him going to Alabama. I mean, it's been talked about some on, like a bunch of our friends podcasts and like it's a national story, right? You you can't imagine it says anything positive about that quarterback room. Um, At the same time, you don't know what snake oil Saban selling
0: him
1: uh, him in terms of like why he should come there and stuff like that. Like just think back to the Tyler, Tyler Harrell story from this past year. um, Right. Like you read about the tampering, recruiting, whatever of getting him from Louisville and it it sounds like you read stuff like we only bring guys in if they're going to start. Um, he came, Bryce Young saying he came in here for more work. And then all of a sudden he catches like three passes on the entire year. Um, so, and maybe stuff happened like throughout the progression of uh, fall practice and injuries, stuff of that out. But the, I like, so we just have such a little window into like the reason behind, behind why transfers get pulled versus, and versus pushed and stuff like that to um, a place like Alabama. Uh, but at the same time, like it's difficult to think that 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 they have a ton of confidence in Ty Simpson, and Jalen uh, Milrow with uh, Buckner coming over.
0: Yeah, you have to think that he doesn't he doesn't have a lot of confidence in what he's got. saving. Maybe it's a motivation motivational tactic. Personally, I mean it's hard to say what you have out of Milrow and Simpson. More specifically, I guess maybe Simpson because he hasn't really ever played in the college. like. Played yeah. meaningful snaps. Milro had that game against AM, but like that wasn't pretty. But like if you think about it, how much different is that versus like with what you're gonna probably get from Buckner? Um I don't know. I just I come from the belief and I will I've gotten burned by it for sure of that if you transfer somewhere that's relevant and there's a like a an opening that makes sense, you're gonna start. Unless like like shit hits the fan, let's say like unless you totally do something stupid, but like why wouldn't Buckner be the starter? Like he he started for Notre Dame a couple games before getting hurt. He played great in the bowl game. He's like a good. He's like a bigger recruit, right? Like he's not like a nobody. So why like what is Saban doing if he's not bringing him in to start? Is it just straight motivational to like Milrow and Simpson to get their stuff together, or? Do you think Saban's like, I don't want Auburn to have him, so I'm just going to grab him and, you know, maybe there's a 15% chance he wins the job, but maybe it's I keep him away from Auburn?
1: Yeah. You have been too influenced by one of your tertiary fan bases if you think that Saban cares. Care.
0: <laughs> Is that intimidated? I, guys. I don't think that's possible,
1: but I wouldn't yeah. put
0: anything past Saban. Maybe like if Auburn was way better like in their better right. years, I could believe that. I don't think it's possible. But yeah, totally. All right, well, any any final thoughts we thought we would keep this one a little bit shorter. It is a little bit of a lull, so consistency of week to week is probably not going to happen unless we get some some breaking news like uh Joe Milton throwing something 200 yards or something like that, but otherwise <laughs> we'll probably just keep it easy here. But any final thoughts, Andrew, before we wrap it up?
1: No, yeah, this was good. This was fun.
0: Cool. Well, happy drafting, everybody. I, I think we're pretty soon everybody's gonna be drafting. We got bye weeks randomly showing up on fan tracks, which is nice and equally, I saw it. That. that was tight. equally annoying based on how some of them visually look. But uh hope everybody enjoyed it. Have a great rest of your week and we'll talk soon.